Welcome back to Faith FM. Good morning. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Me and Shell were talking about whether we should say welcome back or not as we end an in, in intro uh, segments. And then I just said it at the beginning of the show. Not welcome back. Welcome to Faith FM. Thank you for joining us on The Breakfast Show. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. You are joined this morning by myself, Lawson, and sitting across from me, we have... Sven Erstrand. Yes, Sven. Thank you so much for joining us this yeah, morning. Yeah, no problem. It's really Fill- good to be here. Filling in for Lyle as he's uh, up in the Brisbane area preaching away. Indeed, indeed. So we, it's, a, it's a great, it's a lot of fun to be together. Yeah, 100%. Mm. What are you grateful for this morning? How's your, how's your weekend been? Um, I'm really grateful because I had a master's assignment yesterday that I Yikes. finished. So I'm, I'm kind of feeling like a band's been lifted off wow. my shoulders. In, in what subject? Uh, it was the um, leadership, mm-hmm. worldview and leadership. So pretty deep kind of stuff. Yeah, so 100%. Pretty, pretty cool though. Very, very interesting. That's intense. Oh, oh, I'm thinking like, oh, assignments, bro. That's just, that's just a burden. But to finish it, you're... Mm, yeah, yeah, finishing assignments. Oh, that's, that's the best, best place to be. <laughs> yeah, look, oh, what am I grateful for this morning? I can just say, just hang out with my friends. You know, mm. last night, uh, going out skateboarding, and then a few of us got together, and, oh, we just cooked the best food. So where do you go skateboarding? Oh, so in Newcastle, there's this pond. Well, it used to be a pond, like, right next to Newcastle. Is it called, like, Beach. Macquarie? Uh, no, 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 no. That's like, that's like Macquarie. No, well, there is a, well, it used to be this like tiny little pond in the park next to Nombi's beach. But what they've done is they've filled it in with concrete and, oh. and they're planning, they've drained it, filled it in. And they're planning to get rid of it, I think. But now it's just turned into this like skate spot where all the roller skaters and skateboarders go and skate around. It's like the best thing ever. Oh, it's so fun. And then getting together after we made wonton soup, vegan, of course. It was fantastic. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, Sven, what's happening in the world on Positively it, Different News? It is so sweet, mm-hmm. um, Lawson. I've got this amazing... Did you ever see the, the movie The uh, Notebook? Oh, yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah what a classic. <laughs> I, I remember going to, to see it with um, uh, a group of my friends, and they all happened to be girls. Um, <laughs> How did you stumble <laughs> into that situation? And, and I can just remember having this kind of like uh, tissue box that just kind of went up and down the aisle, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> wow. it, was, it was amazing. So, But this is really sweet. You know, there's an actual couple mm-hmm. that have got married mm-hmm. and... Um, 22 years after they first fell in love. And this is a really cool thing. Uh, so the guy, um, the lady's Helen Marshall mm. and the guy is Graham Richardson. So, so they fell in love when they were kids and, uh, at school, they were, they were school sweethearts. Mm. Um, and, and Graham actually proposed in, in, um, school when he was just a kid. Classic. And, yeah. uh, but the parents said, nah, that's, that's way too young. Yeah. Which yeah, is kind of true. So they, they started kind of drift apart. They, they got married and all sorts of things. Uh, but then later on, 22 years later, they they realized, hey, they, they were separated from their previous uh, partners mm. and they, they fell in love again. And um, uh, Graham actually used the same wedding ring that he proposed when he was uh, when he was 15 years old to, to propose to his 
uh, childhood sweetheart all over again. And now they got married. They, they eloped in Croatia, uh, a beautiful place to, yeah, to yeah, start a married life. And, and so, yeah, that's, that is pretty cool. That's pretty that's, sweet. Okay, okay, when you said they were kids, I was thinking like they're like nine years old and that's just some kind of joke. But no, no, he was 15, you know, well enough to, I guess, well, not old enough to know better, but old enough to know what he was doing relatively and went out and bought a ring. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? That's so, that is, that's an awesome story. It is. It's it, really beautiful. And it's good to see something good come out of those situations, you know, like as in, in terms of splitting up and, and divorce and all those things are very, very heavy things. Yeah. And, and for them to, to find love, that's, that's fantastic. Mm. And they, they say he's, um, he's happy as he's ever been. He's mm. an introvert. She's an extrovert. So they kind oh, of like complimentary yeah. matches. So uh-huh. it is really, really cool. Now there's another really cool, um, good news story and that comes to us all the way from Utah. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, so, so there was a, a deputy sheriff who mm. was driving through a burger um, drive-thru. Mm. Um, over there, they called it In-N-Out Burger, which I guess is pretty kind of obvious. Oh, do they have that in Utah? I thought that was a Californian thing. It's, well, it's probably all over the place. Yeah, okay, yeah. But um, he had a really cool story. And I actually mm. want to play you uh, him actually sharing this story. It is pretty, pretty cool. So uh, let's hear what he has to say. Hey guys, this is uh, Deputy Heyman uh, with the Utah County Sheriff's Office. And the reason I'm making this video today is for a couple of reasons. I don't normally post videos like this, uh, but I feel that I need to make this video and I need to get it out there. Uh, earlier today, I went to the In-N-Out and Smash Fork to order some food. I just began my shift, and while I was waiting to pay for my meal in the drive-through, I was on the phone with a coworker discussing a case. Uh, that we were both uh, recently involved with. And uh, while on the phone, there was a knock at my driver's side window. I rolled down my window, and there stood a little boy uh, who asked if he could pay for my meal. And being wrapped up in the conversation I was having on the phone, I told the young man, oh, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. Young man, I want to apologize to you. But I didn't give you the attention, one, that you deserved. And two, I want to apologize for denying you an act of kindness. I'm sorry I denied you that. If anyone knows who this young man is, please reach out to me. Uh, he was in a white Jeep Wrangler uh, with his parents, and uh, this was about 3.30 today, May 29th, in Smash 4, Utah, at In-N-Out. If anyone knows who this young man is, please reach out to me. I would love to take this young man out for a meal. I let him know just how great of a young man he is and just how sorry I am for denying him an opportunity to be kind because that's what we all need right now is acts of kindness. The young man, if you're out there, I'm sorry. And secondly, please reach out. I want to get to know you because you're a fine young man. Ooh. 
That is heavy. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Think, think of it. I mean, that young man actually went up to this guy mm-hmm. and said he'd pay for his meal. And, and the interesting thing is this, is it just doesn't happen in Utah. Mm-hmm. I, was, um, I was on a, another Facebook uh, group page recently, mm-hmm. and uh, they said um, that somebody um, in Macca's drive-thru mm-hmm. um, went ahead and paid for their, their hot drink uh, when they got to the to the drive through pay counter, pay um, pay machine, whatever mm. pay, pay person, uh, the person in front of them had actually paid for their drink. Mm. It's it's pretty amazing, and, yeah. and I really want to, um, yeah, just validate this this um, I guess growing sort of pay it forward kind of mm. movement that's going around the world. It's not just a movie; it's, it happens in real life as well. Yeah, wow. And and of course, this guy um, he had the opportunity. Now he wants to kind of make amends, and he mm. wants to. Get to know this young guy, which is pretty cool. So, mm. yeah. and so they haven't. Uh, there hasn't been any connection between them as of yet, or they're not, in that process. Uh, not that I'm aware of. If you go down the Facebook page where it is, there's a whole lot of um, comments that it was pretty amazing, uh, but no, no person as of yet. So mm. yeah, we can. Well, it's only been a couple of days. Exactly. Mm. So exactly. We'll, we'll give it to them. Yeah, oh, definitely. Interesting. Well, and one more good news story. Oh yeah, for sure. And um, this came from the ABC News. You know, there's a, a Melbourne woman who mm. became the first female to bike solo by herself all the way from. Uh, Victoria, all the way up to the top of Queensland, 5,300 wow. oh, wow. okay. kilometres. That is impressive. Very, very cool. Mm-hmm. So she lost her job during COVID-19 mm-hmm. and uh, she decided, look, I'm going to do something wild and, and crazy. Mm-hmm. And she set out on a bike and, and she said it was it was really amazing. She's really fit now, as you can imagine. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, uh, really, really trim, which is good. Uh, she said some days were amazing. Others were really, really hard. She said one day uh, when she was uh, riding, uh, she only did uh, 2K in four hours, and she was so um, challenged, she almost got off and cried, but she did it. Mm-hmm. She did it, and she's heading back to Melbourne for a new job. Oh, good stuff. That is definitely putting putting that time to use. There's so many, I think, other wasteful things you could be doing, but getting mm. out there and getting fit and riding from Melbourne to the top of Cape York, that's incredible. Mm. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We are going to get into some news. Before we do, I got a text message here, which was really cool. Uh, this is from David in Western Australia. He says, My wife and I, uh, in the past before Christmas, would treat ourselves to McDonald's and pay for us and the car behind, no matter what the order. That, so, that is incredible. That's awesome. Even from our listeners, act of kindness. I personally, you know, I, um, I, 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 Sometimes treat myself in the, in the Hungry Jack's drive through specifically because they have the Rebel Whopper there. Like they have the, the vegan, 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 uh, vegan burger. And I'll go through that and they sell it at any time of day. So if I'm like, you know, if I have some work that I need to do, if I have to go to work or whatever, I'll just send it through the drive through, pick up a Rebel Whopper. And yeah, I've had, I've actually had two different times. I, I don't go very often, like believe me, but I've had two different times where the people in front of me have paid for my meal. And then obviously you're inspired. It's like if the person in front of you paid for you, your meal then it's like all right i'll pay for the person behind me and it's never it's never been too much it's always been oh, it's always been amazing but really good stuff okay in our new segment today i said we are going to be talking about the big things happening in covid in asia at the moment we and are. we're going to be talking a little bit about vietnam but before we do because that's where that's that's a, a lot of big media cluster. attention mm. that happening 
that's happening at the moment in terms of COVID. But I really quickly wanted to talk about Japan uh, mm. because Japan uh, coming upon them is essentially one of the biggest events of the year. Well, it was supposed to be the biggest event of last year. Of course, it didn't go through. I'm talking, of course, about the, the Olympics, the, Olympics, the yes. Tokyo Olympics. Uh, now, I am a massive fan of the Olympics. Like I, and I've been particularly keen for this upcoming, these upcoming Olympics. I've been like so, so, so ready for them um, because the involvement of two new sports, uh, rock climbing and skateboarding, uh, as first yes. time at the Olympics. I'm very keen, but obviously, you know, like anyone, I'm a fan of the the hundred meter uh, men's final, the the fifty meter freestyle finals, like these big kind of marquee events that just like you sit on the edge of your seat for, especially because they're so quick. Also. I really love I'm pretty sure it's called the the decathlon or the pentathlon or the one where they do like horse riding um archery fencing table tennis it's like this they just throw all these sports together and see who's the best big suit, yeah it's, it's, it's awesome mm. um as well do you like the opening and closing ceremonies as well oh, yeah of course like with all of the, yeah, the so with pomp and circumstance and yeah, all yeah, stuff. yeah and then bring in the flame and it's because of what it signifies like i i believe that the olympics um over and above any other sporting event in the world kind of represents the most noble um of sporting achievements you know a lot of other sporting um events and and leagues and whatnot exist and this has been my experience as well coming from a sports background uh they exist you know to make money and advertising and all those kinds of things whereas the olympic the olympics kind of exist outside of that uh there is no you know you can be one of the best runners in the world and just go to world championships and get paid by mcdonald's or whatever and just be the best but no it the, kind of transcends you know funding and, and exactly government yes. kind of boundaries it's just mm. above all of that kind of yeah uh, in fact the nations and, the nations mm. that host it they don't but like usually, you know, a promoter would rock up to a country or or a town or whatever, and they would pay someone to run their event. But the mm. countries that host the Olympics pay to get the mm. Olympics hosted in their country mm. um, because it, it transcends all of that. Mm. It's it's there's nobility to it now. But but that people have been protesting the upcoming Olympics in in Japan itself. Yeah, well, because this is what I wanted to get to. Like at the moment, Japan is in a really really dire COVID state. And they've been trying literally everything to get out of it, particularly like they've been doing, you know, two-week state of emergency lockdowns where they're like, okay, no one can go outside. Like, we are just going to send it. Um, and But that means that they, they see results from that. They see that, oh, well, you know, the tr- COVID cases drop dramatically, COVID deaths drop, drop dramatically, all these kinds of things. But as soon as they try to, okay, look, we've had this massive drop. We're going to let people out. Open it up again. Open it up again. Then they have exponential increase again uh, mm. to the point where they're just having wave after wave after wave. I believe mm. they're about to be on their fifth wave of COVID and each one is getting worse than mm. the last, no matter what they're doing. And so it's oh, it's really tough to see because uh, we are definitely staring at a reality where where the Olympics doesn't happen in 2021 as well. And it's getting pretty close. It's, it's, it's only two months away mm. and you got to think like you introduce 70,000 new foreigners into like Tokyo itself is one of the most densely populated cities in the world, if not the most densely populated Up city. Up to 20 million. Well, it's almost all of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Inside of, of Tokyo itself, and it's it's packed. Um, mm. And as we've kind of have seen and observed during COVID, uh, the higher the population density is, the exponentially worse the uh, virus is 
you know, yes. the effects of the viruses. So I guess it remains to be seen. They're just trying their best, um, to get it, to get it under control, but they are not succeeding. So mm. hopefully, I mean, in terms of density, they, mm. they have accommodation there where literally you hire a, a pod and you get to sleep yeah. in kind of like a, yeah. a like a, a shelf almost mm. kind of thing. So, I mean, that, that's getting pretty dense. You, you're it's, almost kind of like, you know, somebody's right above you on the shelf above you kind of thing. Yeah. Almost. Well, we talk about like the, the devastating effects that COVID had on New York City, for example, mm. um, because of its density. But like, I, I've been to New York before and I, I know that like Tokyo is just that next step uh, yes. of like just tightly packed, um, which is, you know, means it functions great as a city where lots of people can live. But in this circumstance, yeah, it's, it's mm. pretty gnarly. It remains to be seen. Like, again, as I said before, we are definitely looking at a reality where, where, the, where the Olympics is cancelled for two years in a row, which would be the first time uh, that is happening since, you know, World War Two. Yeah. Which goes to, which just goes to show, like, the events of this world are getting pretty, uh, as we were talking about before, pretty intense. Intense, yeah. Pretty, pretty mm. crazy. Uh, mm. Okay. Oh, man, I, I, I've talked about this too much. I don't have enough time to talk about uh, this other thing that I wanted to talk about, which was Vietnam. So Vietnam yeah. is kind of exploding with COVID at the moment. But the thing about the COVID in Vietnam is that- They've got a particular mutant. Yeah, they've mutation. got a, a oh. hybrid COVID, essentially, mm. that is a mixture between um, the- the uh, United Kingdom and India's, India, yes. India strains of COVID. Now, uh, not only do they have a new strain of COVID that is very, very uh, highly, uh, you know, passed by from person to person. Mm. It's very airborne, contagious, yeah. contagious very mm. contagious. Um, but they are, you know, have heaps of clusters, heaps of people dying, uh, which is very sad, very unfortunate. And so what they're trying, they're, they're rolling out this massive effort there to basically test all of Ho Chi Minh City. Now, the Ho Chi Minh, whole city. The whole city, which is like... Almost Melbourne and Sydney combined. Yeah, it's 9 million people. That's like, incredible. This is another huge city. So how long are they paying to do this for? Well, they want to test 100,000 people a day. 100,000 people 100 a day. people, which is going to take a massive toll. It's going to take a massive effort, but they need to, they need to because... So why don't they uh, vaccinate them at the same time? You know, test and vaccinate. Do a, well, this do a is, double job. Well, this is the thing. Like, a million people have already been vaccinated, uh, specifically in Ho Chi Minh City. But we have to also think, like, vaccination uh, th- 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 costs money. And the reality is, is that to do so many people in such a short space of time, they just really don't have the ability to get mm. to it. Oh, but just just quickly, if I can mention, in Ho Chi Minh City itself, uh, there has been a, a particular church group, a mission group, that is now facing criminal charges during this period uh, because they have spawned out of their church uh the uh, Revival Ecclesia Mission, 145 cases just out of their church itself. So, and now so they're were they facing, following government regulations or were uh, they kind of like just ignoring that? Well, I, I, from what I've read, I believe that in, in ways they were, but, you know, they the, the the government are taking a view on it that, you know, you know them by their fruits. And they're like, oh, 145 cases, criminal charges. So really yeah. heavy, heavy stuff happening in Vietnam right now. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We've come to the interview section of the day, and joining us on the phone, we have Amanda Buse. Amanda, are you there? 
Yes, I am. Good morning. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much. Oh, good morning to you also. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And now we want to talk about uh, some so your current uh, literary exploits, uh, so to speak, um, an upcoming book that you're writing about an amazing, amazing story of the uh, the Little Lemon or basically the story of Neville Westwood traveling around Australia. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so Mumsy was the name of the car. Oh, that is so amazing. I, I've just been reading up on it last night and this morning and, and just the amazing story of, of the car itself, how it was just produced. I'm very interested in cars and those kinds of things. I was like, wow, this is really, really amazing. Um, but then of course the, the journey that it would go on. And so let's, Let's talk just a little bit now about the story of the the Citroen, the 1923 Citroen C5CV uh, and Neville Westwood himself. And then we'll get into the to the book. So, yeah, give us an outline and an overview. You know, what what does this story look like? Where does it have its beginnings? Well, I guess it started in 1921 when Neville Westwood was converted to um, the faith mm-hmm. uh, by Pastor Harold Cecil Harker. Mm-hmm. And then he became a missionary. He travelled around um, the top end of Australia um, after deciding to become a a, um, a, a Bible worker. Mm-hmm. And he he sold Bibles to the people who lived in the local communities up there. And then he travelled all the way up to the top. And then he decided to come back down. And then he went to um, Carmel College. It was had a different name there called um, a missionary college at that stage. And then he uh, decided that he would get the little Citroen. And he headed off on the 4th of August, 1925, with his friend Greg Davies. Mm. And they travelled all around Australia. Oh, that is so great. So the thing we have to highlight from this, I think, you know, maybe you're listening, oh, a great missionary trip, but like what is so special about this missionary trip and why I think I've come to learn that it's a big part of motoring history is that these were the first guys ever to travel around the entirety of Australia. That's right. Yes, they left on the 4th of August, 1925 which is coming up 100 years. Mm. And they they start, they weren't initially planning on going all the way. They were planning on going to Darwin mm. and then stopping and turning and coming back around because, of course, there were hardly any roads of any description back then. And they got to Darwin and they decided to keep going. And the Western Australian Conference said, um, it's time for you to come back. But then they got some sponsorship from Citroen and they kept on going until they went all the way around and all the way back to um, Perth, which they arrived on um, the 30th of December of that year. Mm. What a journey. Wait, so I didn't know that about the story. They received sponsorship from Citroen themselves. Mm-hmm. That that is yes. probably the best uh, faith company partnership I've ever heard of. <laughs> that is incredible. Um, so they, they travel around Australia, and during their time, you know, what, what are they getting up to? Well, um... The car broke down a lot, (laughs) as you can imagine, with no roads, and it was a tiny little car. And there's, um, they at some some stage they stuffed the tires because back then they had inner tubes, a bit like bikes used to. Mm -hmm. And so when they would burst, they would try and repair them. But then when they ran out of repair kits, they would stuff the them full of leaves and try and keep going. Mm. Um, On the way out to Mika Farah, it broke down, and that that was um, known almost 
as a, a really dangerous place at that time, and they had to walk to the station from along um, Madman's Track, and Madman's Track was where people had died because it would get so hot and they wouldn't have enough water. But at that time of the year, they were okay, fortunately, and they got to the next station, and then uh, they would get help from the station owners there. And some there, there's even a story about saying that they found a dead snake once and put that inside the inner tube and drove along, but... <laughs> Um, we, we couldn't confirm whether that was true or not, but it is a good theory that they put a big snake in there. <laughs> That's actually a big snake. Uh, my mind, like, I, I have, you know, yeah, I love cars and, and, and all these kinds of things. And, you know, they've, uh, in, in the world of motorcycles, they've come up with new systems that are brand new, how they don't have to run inner tubes anymore because, you know, for the big endurance races and whatnot. But these guys literally a hundred years ago were, were trialing with those things instead of using air, using just things that they find on the ground. That's amazing. And also, like, so as they were traveling, of course, they're, they're sharing the word of God as well. Can you give us some insight into that? Yes, well, when they arrived in Darwin, they had to leave Bubsy behind because um, it had broken down. So they ended up catching the train into Darwin and they were going to get some bits and pieces that they would need in, there, in Darwin and then go back on the train and then keep driving. Mm-hmm. And they met... Um, they, they met the mayor of the town. He looked after them. And they did Bible studies with his wife, and she was actually um, the first Adventist in Darwin was converted by um, Westwood and Davy. Wow. Hmm. That's powerful. And, uh, of course, they, they come around, they finish their trip, and it's all said and done, and we sit here almost 100 years later kind of remembering them. I, you know, where I read about them was on, like, the... The motoring, the Australian Motoring History Museum, and, and this has been a, a big, a, a big achievement. Um, but I want to talk specifically now. You are, we have, you have uh, made this into a children's book. Yes, yeah, we we do. It's called Blazing the Trail, mm-hmm. uh, the story of Bubsy and Neville Westwood. Yes. Oh, that is so awesome. And so uh, what's been the process for you taking this story? And uh, well, I guess I could ask, how was it personally? When did it personally kind of come into your life and become a, a focus and a highlight for you and something where you said, oh, man, I want to adapt this story um, and, you know, give it to children? Well, I was looking for a story for Western Australia because we have a few others in the series already. Mm. And I was chasing down a story for Western Australia and I got in contact with a lady called Neralee Hisco who works at uh, Carmel College. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, um, have you heard the story of Bubsy? And I said, no, I haven't. So she sent me the material um, that she had, and um, including photographs of, of his trip. He wrote lots of letters. There's even, if you go on to the discipleship website, you can watch um, the parade of Bubsy coming into town in Perth. It's a silent movie, obviously, and... Not in colour, because they weren't in colour back then. Mm-hmm. But if you um, go on there, you will find um, the little movie that of them coming into town, which is really quite exciting. So when she told me about the story, I thought, how wonderful that not only were Adventists the first people to drive all the way around in Australia in a tiny little car, but it was a wonderful opportunity to spread the love of God to people on the way around as they travelled. And the amazing thing is, as soon as he got back, um, they uh, ended up doing a reverse trip the other way around, and he picked up a dentist from uh, the San Hospital, and they drove back around the other way. And as they went, the dentist pulled out two thousand teeth, 
<laughs> so oh, it was, it was uh, biblical missionary work, medical missionary work. That's amazing. So now, like you've you've heard this story, what's been the process for you of of adapting? You know, how have you been working on this? Uh, uh, you know, I, I assume as a kids' book, it's also you know very well illustrated and whatnot. What's what's been that process for you? Well, we work with um, a lady called Jade Zabanovic. She um, does all our artwork. She paints them all up, all the pictures. So once I've finished the story, I send the story off to her. Mm. And she interprets it in oil paints. And then we photograph those oil paints. And then Jessica Symes lays them out and puts them together to make them look beautiful in a book. And then we get them printed. And they're all hard-covered stories. And we sort of weave a, a modern story through it as well. So mm. um, as you read it, uh, it can relate to now. And then in the back section, there's all the factual information in a timeline that um, describes what happened during the trip. Mm. Oh, that is powerful. You know, like... I feel like this is the perfect story to get young kids interested in, in first and foremost, sharing the gospel, in murdering, and doing really bold and adventurous things for God. And, you know, I'd, I'd love to know from, from here, like, uh, you've already done a number of, of stories in your, in your series, and you've, well, now you have one for Western Australia. Uh, what's the plan going forward in terms of the series itself? You know, what, what, you know, have you got uh, more states to write about, and and uh, or is you know is Bubsy the the, the landmark? Is that the finisher? Well, I hope it's not the finisher. <laughs> <laughs> we we search for more stories as we find things. Um, then we do research into them. I'm, I'm looking into the story of a lady by the name of Grace Atwood Atwell, sorry, mm. um, who was um, a young girl who came across from New Zealand who started Sabbath schools in Sydney. So I'm, I'm looking for her. Uh, sometimes I reach a dead end and I, and I can't find any more information. But luckily there was lots about Bubsy. And mm. if you want to see Bubsy, Bubsy is owned by um, the Australian Museum. Mm-hmm. So you can see uh, him. He's, some, he's not on display at the moment or her. I'm not sure what you call a car, whether he or she. But um, <laughs> uh, Bubsy's in a cartoon. At the moment, and they bring the car. They that, that's just to keep it safe and make sure that it doesn't um, get damaged at all because yeah, it's sure. all been restored. And they bring mm-hmm. it out and they take it on little drives. And I'm sure in uh, 2025, I'm sure they'll put it on display again because it'll be a hundred years since. So mm-hmm. they used to be on in the atrium as you walked in. So it's amazing that we still have that piece of motoring history and that Adventists were able to be a part of that. Yeah, it's so deeply related to the to the God that we love and the faith that we hold. It's powerful. Uh, I'd love to just finally ask, you know, where where will this book be available? Where slash when? And uh, yeah, how can people go about getting their hands on it? You can buy it at the ABC stores, or you can buy it online at the Hope Bookstore. Mm, Awesome. Amanda, thank you for joining us so... uh, Thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, outlining outlining the story of Bubsy and Neville Westwood. This is an amazing work that you're doing. And, of course, if uh, if any of our listeners are are listening right now and they are interested in this book, they can contact us and we can definitely steer you in the right direction on how you can get it. I believe in the future we're planning to do some giveaways. But, uh, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Lovely to be a part of the show. Have an amazing day. We are going to continue on. 
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.